I'm Jamie Metzl. I'm with Dove Barron on his incredible Curiosity Bites podcast, where we're exploring the big issues, not just around the current coronavirus crisis. I know a lot of people are afraid, and we're going to talk about some very practical steps people can do, but also about the bigger issues. This is one of those defining moments in our lives. And how can we all think about being our best selves so that 50 years from now, when we tell the story of today to our grandkids, we can do so knowing that we inspired ourselves, we drove ourselves to do the right thing because we are going to get through this terrible, difficult time. And we're gonna to have to start rebuilding a new and we hope better world that is gonna come in the aftermath of what we're experiencing. Now's the time we can start building it when we must start building it. And I hope you'll join our conversation about how we can all be part of that process. So welcome back. I wanna thank you for joining us. And remember you can join in the conversation and you can come over to our Facebook group. Just look for Curiosity Bites in the Facebook group and we'll chat there. Um, well, uh, this, this section of the show is co-sponsored by the awesome music project connecting music science and story to enhance mental health to find out more about the awesome music project and amp foundation go to the awesome music project.com okay i'm here continuing my conversation with jamie metzel who is the author of this book hacking darwin absolutely superb book um, and that's exactly what we were going to talk about. But right now we're on the coronavirus because that's the thing that's top of mind, I think, with just about everybody. So before the break, we were talking about the need to come together and how we need to come together in a collective around thinking. We talked about disinformation, misinformation, and this infodemic that we're living in and how we need to sh sort of shift a little bit. Um, I personally think that this is going to be a where were you when moment. Um, you know, 9-11 uh, people, oh, where were you when, you know, where were you when this broke out? And the, the, the challenge of this is that I think a lot of us were, there wasn't a moment. There was a moment when you became aware of it, but not a moment as such. And one of the things I posted yesterday was, um, I think that, you know, I, Oprah said something years ago, and she said that money um, doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, change you, it magnifies, it reveals you. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I think poverty does the same. I grew up in poverty, and I saw that people who were dicks were dicks, and they'd be dicks whether they had money or not. And people who, uh, same thing, you know, whether people are poor or rich. And I think that I know, because of psychology, I know that people are revealed in stress. Uh, under stress, we regress. Um, and I think that this is going to be a moment where we're going to look back and ask ourselves, am I proud of how I behaved? But we don't think of that in this moment. And as I said, we're getting very territorial about things, and, which is, for me, is insane, but I understand it. Um, Tell me what you're seeing on that, that level of it. Let, let's talk uh, yeah, about no, that I, the I social totally, impact. I totally agree. I mean, I'll talk big picture in a moment, but let me talk yeah. little picture because everybody is so afraid. I see that in my family. Um, mm -hmm. I have one brother who's like really stressed out and he's sending text messages to every, everybody with kind of bad news, bad news, bad news. 
Um, I have you know, one of my parents who, who until recently is like, oh, this is, everything's great. Um, and then here at, in my own home, because for me, um, I feel like this is war. And, I, and I'm, my battle station is my office. And I'm yep. just I'm working around the clock as many people are, because this is a moment, it's all hands on deck. And if you have something to contribute, now is, now is, is the time. Um, so I'm really, really focused. Um, mm -hmm. And so with me, it's like, it's mission, mission, mission. It's kind of equivalent. 16 years ago, I ran for US Congress and it was just, there's a goal, you know, building this coalition, do, raising the money, meeting, doing everything that needed to be done. And I'm just very focused like that. My girlfriend who is here, you know, equally everybody is, is, is stressed. And what her needs are are different than mine. I mean, she, yes. she's wanting to have kind of more emotional connectivity. She wants, I'm, everybody's physically present, but she wants more emotional presence. Yeah. And so and we're, we're two feet from each other. So I'll just go and check in how are yous and whatever. But my mind is, all right, what needs to be done? What's my responsibility? What's my, I'm, I'm in this global sphere, even if it's, it's happening from here. And both of us are, are right. Uh, and it's, and we're negotiating that. I mean, I was my, my brother, the, the one who could be a little stressed. Um, he, we were doing a family call and he and his girlfriend said, Oh, we have to go. We're going out for pizza. And I said like going out for pizza, you know, they didn't come down from the attic with Anne Frank and say, Hey, who wants pizza? Who ordered the pepperoni? <laughs> and so I just think that, that we're all kind of, figuring out these these personal contours of this um of this new world uh, but on a bigger level i don't you know there are a lot of people who think well, we're going to go through this we're going to hunker down then the world's just going to snap back when we're done and, and we'll say like oh remember how that was that was crazy i don't think that at all and you obviously don't uh, don't either because i think that this these change the world is going to be different and you mentioned 2001 and this feels like 2001 certainly here in new york we were ground zero for that, we're about to become ground zero uh, for this. For me, the, the analog is more 1941 than, than 2001. Yeah. 1941, beginnings of the Second World War, it looked really dark. I mean, there was, it was by absolutely no means clear that the Allies were going uh, to win. Actually, quite the contrary at that point. Absolutely, yeah. But in that year, FDR, announced the four freedoms and Churchill and Roosevelt and others came together and announced the Atlantic Charter that were setting the North Star about this is what this is about. This is what this struggle is about. And they knew, I mean, there were tens of millions of people who were going to die between 1941 and, and 1945, but still there was a goal. Here's where yes. we're going. Yes. And I think that's what we that's what I'm spending most of my time and energy doing now is to try to help articulate, well, what is that goal? How is it? How is it different? At the same time, as uh, I had wrote in my CNN.com editorial and elsewhere, this is our new life for some period of time. Hopefully it'll be a few months. It could easily be a year and a half or more. And so we have to find meaning in this life, this isn't some interregnum. This isn't non-life waiting for life. This is our life. And we have to find new ways of connecting, of emoting, of building community, of solving problems, of doing all the things that make our species 
so great. But as you mentioned, we also have these dangerous instincts, these us-them in, uh, instincts, especially at times of crisis. You know, we're in New York, we're, we have been in the land of plenty, but are we a month or two away from scarcity where right. there's not enough everything already? There's a black market here for immunizations, um, for the, the drugs that people think may be, uh, may be useful. Um, so you said it exactly right. It's in times of stress that we really find out who we are. And if everybody internalizes, oh, here's the time of stress. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the resistance fighter. I'm not going to be the person who collaborates with the Nazis. But when it's happening, doing the quote unquote wrong thing is the easiest, most comfortable Absolutely. thing to do. If, if the easy thing were to do the magnanimous thing to share your chloroquine or whatever, everybody would do it. So yeah. now is a time what I really tell everyone is just reflect on whoever it is. Like when you're 50 years from now, telling the story of now to your grandkids, what story do you want to tell? And whatever that is, start living that life now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting for me in the study of psychology and, and social psychology is, um, you know, I, many years ago when I lived in Australia for many years before I moved here, and my closest friend, Mike, um, uh, Mike Junghans, is obviously a German name. His father, um, Gerhard, had served in the Hitler Youth. Yeah. He was in the Hitler Youth. And, you know, well, I'm you know, a Jew. You can have that background. You can become the Pope. Right. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> there you go. Minor detail. But I was, I was a Jew, and I, would, and I am curious. So right. I'd say, Gerhard, tell me about the Hitler Youth. And he wouldn't talk to me. Eventually, I got him to talk to me because he trusted me enough to know that I wasn't asking him because I wanted to judge him. I wanted to understand. And his simple language, which stuck with me all these years, 40 years, was it was like the Boy Scouts. Everybody was doing it, so of course we did it. Right. Yeah. And that for me was really fascinating because what it does is it allows people to grasp that you do shitty things because it's normalized. Once it's normalized, this is the danger. And we have to keep things abnormal. And it's important to recognize abnormal and say, this is not healthy. This is not supportive of a, of a global community or even of my family for me to turn into this ravenous lunatic because of a threat. And that is a real danger I'm concerned about. That brings me to my next question for you, which you brought up, which is so twofold. One is, Based on what you know and your research and your connections and uh, inside of the who and et cetera, you know, Trump's talking about to the end of the month. Um, some people are talking about, you know, it could be a couple months and Trump then threw out, well, it could be, could be July or August. I don't think those are reasonable or realistic terms. Uh, I know that people are waiting for a couple of think, Oh, it'll be over in a couple of weeks. My friend who, who, who travels, two thirds of the year is like, I'm sure by the end of May, I'll be back on the planes. I'm like, okay. Yeah, uh, I hope so. Well, yeah, I, I would hope so. But what does it look like from your point of view? Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't, I don't claim to have any special insights behind uh, other than what everybody has, but here's my personal view. Um, and that is what we are dealing with is a highly infectious and 
deadly. We don't know the percentage, but let's say it's 1%, let's say it's 0.6%, nobody knows, um, virus. And until we have a vaccine, our lives are not going to be normalized in any way. Um, because right now, social distancing, which is the strategy we've had for you know, more than a century, that right now that's all we've got. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll get better treatments. There's a lot of different experimentation and whether it's chloroquine, which President uh, Trump uh, announced or Tamiflu or now uh, zithromycin and, and different antibiotics. I mean, no, we're, we're figuring this out as, as we go. There will be um, uh, better, uh, better treatments. And so there'll come a time where it may peak. I mean, it, it could be that we, that we peak um, in the late spring and maybe if this virus is, is seasonal or the disease is, is seasonal as it could be, it goes down in some parts of the world, but that means it goes up in other parts of the world because we have different flu seasons in different places and we're mm -hmm. globalized. Um, but then let's say it normalizes a little bit and we say, okay, schools are back on. Mm -hmm. The second that happens, kids go back to school and then potentially it goes back up. So then we'll have to say, all right, now everybody back. Now we're doing extreme social distancing for a month, for two months, for whatever that case, that case may be. So if I had to guess personally, I would say that's the way it's going to be. It's going to get better um, because of these extreme measures. Then we're going to let up because we have to, because we, we, we can't, you know, we have societies that have to function and then it'll get worse because we've let up and that's going to happen until in my view unless there's a miracle which i would love to see until there's a virus and that leads to the next question well when can there be a virus i'm part of the uh, singularity i'm sorry exactly a vaccine right. i'm part okay. of the singularity uh, university exponential community in exponential medicine community i'm on faculty um, for it and so we these are like really creative thinkers in the world of science biotech uh, and healthcare so we have all these amazing tools of synthetic biology um, but to develop a vaccine that can then be tested to make sure it's safe enough to give to billions of humans that's going to take Time. People think, oh, we have amazing science. We'll get a, a vaccine within a month or two, and maybe there'll be a prototype. But if we're going to vaccinate whatever, 7.7 .7 billion people or 70% of that to get herd immunity, um, we don't want to create some problem that could be even bigger than this problem. So that we have to be careful and we have to be as, as fast as possible. Yeah. Uh... So what do you see as, um, are we, are we looking at, <clears throat> what do you think about 18 months? Is that what you're really thinking? So a year is the kind of miracle scenario. Mm -hmm. I live in the world of miracles. You mentioned about my, my, mentioned my book, Hacking Darwin. I mean, not just because of like other kinds of biblical miracles just because i'm an atheist and those are all just nice stories for me um but the miracles of modern science the miracles of our technology i mean the core lesson of this moment in biotechnology is we this one little species um among the billions who live and have ever lived 
suddenly we have the ability to read, write, and hack the code of life. Yeah. This virus is a little bit of, it's, it's debatable. Some people call viruses life and, and others don't, but it's a little bit of life. It's, a, it's, a, it's RNA and we yeah. know how to manipulate RNA. So we have some magical tools and we will use them, but it's gonna take a bit of time. So let's let's go on to the implications here because um, you know the the you have this background uh, you even uh, you were a, a former partner in New York uh, based global investment firm. Let's look at the economics of this because this you know the the saying is that uh, the average American middle class was four hundred dollars away from. A financial disaster. Um, most people, even in the last week, have surpassed that four hundred dollars. Yes. Right. So um, you know, and I'm not talking about running to Costco for toilet paper. I'm talking about there's no job. Right now, some of people are have jobs where the government will pay them, even though they're off. But most people don't have those kinds of jobs. They don't have medical insurance. Um, and I'm not just talking about in the U.S. I'm talking about people. You know who are maybe remote workers who suddenly the workload has gone down. So you, oh yeah, we need remote workers, yeah. But that workload has gone down because the demands have gone down, et cetera, et cetera. I live in a coastal city. I can always tell what the economy is going to be by how many ships are in, are in, are in. I can look up. If there's 70 ships out there, I know the economy is good. Well, before the um, announcement of the recession, I was down there with a really good friend of mine who does do global stuff, global business. And, and he said, look, and I go, what? And he goes, you see how many? I said, yeah, there's about 10, 12. He goes, that's, that's what's coming. I was like, wow. You know, so I, I'm seeing that now. When we look at this, I mean, there's a lot of anxiety around, like I said, you understand the economics too. So there's a lot of anxiety around, how am I going to pay the rent? I, I'm a self-employed individual, or I work for a company that laid me off. How am I going to pay rent? How am I going to buy groceries? How am I going to, is there going to be any groceries? Right. So yeah, th th those are very real fears. And that's why we've organized ourselves. That's why we have governments. That's why we have these insurance policies. And when mm -hmm. people, whether here or elsewhere, um, are against things like single, single payer national health systems, like you have in Canada that are pooling yeah. risk, it's exactly for this reason. The reason why we pay taxes is that we have an entity that can help us in times of crisis. And that's why, at least here in the United States, this language that the government is not us, but the government is some kind of, of alien that's extracting from us. And that if you have that this starve the beast and so give away government resources, um, because you want the smallest government possible. In my mind, that doesn't make sense. I mean, we just have a trillion dollar aid package, but how much money did we give away as useless tax cuts to the wealthiest Americans <clears throat> just to help Republicans get, get reelected, uh, in my view? Um, it's just crazy. And so this is the reason why we come together is so that in moments like this, we have things like bailouts. So tons of people aren't going to be able to pay their mortgages. 
Um, but if you just say, well, stop paying your, your mortgage payment and your mortgage lender says, you know, these are tough times, uh, you don't need to pay us, well, then they're going to have, have a problem. Uh, you know, here in, in, in everywhere, actually, around the world, you know, people have rents, people who are renters. Um, but the people who own those buildings, they have mortgage payments. So if the, if the, if the building owners say, yeah, just 50% reduction in rent until this passes, then the building owners immediately default on their loans. And if the banks say, hey, don't worry about it, these are, are tough times, you don't need to pay, pay back your loans on the agreed uh, schedule, then the banks go bust because it's not like they have the money. We need our banks to be circulating money. So the government is the backstop. And when you have this war on government, when you have people like the president of the United States going to war against the government that he himself leads, that's why, you know, in times like this, things can, can get really tough. I don't want to be overly political, but imagine if the current slate of leaders, not just in the United States, but globally, had been the slate of leaders in 1941, when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, mm -hmm. um, we would have lost the war. So right. now we need to either get better from the leaders we have or get new leaders. So <clears throat> do you, do you see the government helping people? I mean, as we move forward, because, you know, there's a lot of people and I understand the psychology of it who are, pretty much afraid of a revolution. I mean, and, and, and when I say a revolution, I'm not talking about a revolution against the government. I'm talking about a revolution against the grocery store. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about a revolution against your neighbor, uh, yeah. you know, and we know gun sales in the U S have gone up. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. for me, it's. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, those are real dangers in, in situations where people trust the government to look out for them. Then they say, all right, well, I'm going to trust the government. When they don't, people take matters into their own hands. And that gets really dangerous because people don't have a way of balancing their interests and somebody else's uh, interests. So yeah, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of people here with guns. Um, there are fears that things could break down. Our healthcare systems could break down um, right. because as doctors and nurses get infected, which they will, we, we won't have enough of, of those maybe policemen and, uh, and firemen. Uh, we have enough stuff. America is a big, wealthy country. We have huge farms and productive capacity. But our supply lines um, uh, could be disruptive. Getting goods into a place like here where I am in, um, in, in New York City. And then that's why um, this hasn't fully hit yet. Right. Now is the time we need to be, we talked about inoculating ourselves personally of thinking about well, who do I wanna be through this crisis. We also have to start inoculating ourselves collectively by messaging from the government, which is why um, having the, the kind of, uh, not just mixed, but harmful messages coming out of the Trump administration has been so, uh, so difficult. Uh, and there needs that, this is what leaders do. Leaders lead in times like this, the, era of the reality show government is done. This is real. And maybe Donald Trump and Boris Johnson and, and others around the world, maybe they have it in them. I really hope they do. Here in the United States, we only have 
one president of the United States, whatever your views on how he got there, it's the only one we have. And that's the president who we need. So let me uh, be a little crazy and make you president for a minute. What, what is the message? What, what do we need to know? What, what, you know, you, as I said, you have back channels, you have insight, you have all those kinds of things. What, you know, I'm making you the president right now. What do we need to do? What do you need to say? What do we need to hear? Yeah, sure. So if I were the president, sure. I would say first, we're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. Our country has been through worse and we've survived. And we're gonna get through this together because together we're stronger than any of us are alone. And I'm calling on all Americans to really think about how can you help this war effort because we are in a war. And it starts with yourself. It starts with really centering yourself to say this could last a long time and we all need to keep our minds and our sanity and our values and our principles and your families, and your community, even if you're at home, you are a vital and valued member of your community and everybody has a role to play. If you're an elderly retired person, you may have a skill and you could tutor a kid who's out of school in your skill if you are a musician. Uh, our society needs culture and art now more than ever before. Everybody has a role to play. And we are the United States of America. We are the greatest technological power in the history of the world. And today I am launching a Manhattan Project for vaccines. We have the greatest universities, the greatest scientists, um, and the greatest technological capacity to build a vaccine, not just for us, but for the world. Yes, businesses are going to be hurting. And I want you, the American people to know that we see you, we feel your pain. It's going to take a while because the entire system is going, we're going to, is, will need to readjust. And we're going to do that. And I call on everybody to say, well, how can you in your business do the most to help the common good? And what do you need from us? We are your government. And we are announcing, which is very good, this new massive stimulus plan. And we are getting our economy on a war footing because we're gonna get the respirators, the ventilators uh, that we need. And we are guaranteeing you the security of our elections because even in times of crisis, our democratic processes must go on because that's the foundation of our legitimacy because we are not the government is not them. The government is us. And together, we can get through this. Thank you. God bless America. Thank That's you. what I would say. Thank you, President Messel. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That yeah, was you, really awesome. You know, I, I told you, in uh, 2004, I ran for United States Congress, and I yes. lost. Unfortunately for, uh, for me. When you run for office, you know, you kind of imagine a certain life. So for years, um, I would kind of give imaginary, I wouldn't speak it, think imaginary political speeches in front of my bathroom mirror. So thank you for uh, giving me the chance. <laughs> Finally to... giving you that voice. That's awesome. <laughs> exactly.
But you know, it, it's interesting because you know you said we're 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 at war against this virus, um, and, and you know I uh, as as fractured as we've been, you know we see the we see the uh, Independence Day movies. You know the yeah. the alien forces coming, and suddenly Russians and Americans and Chinese and people who were previously enemies stand side by side. But the other side of that is they become more fractured and more small. So as particularly in a situation where we can't physically come together, we can't actually create uh, the peace around community and human beings need community more than anything. And I know you've talked about, uh, and you've even did an article for CNN around social distancing and what we can do around community. I wanna come back and talk about that after the break. Um, because I think that I believe that community is vitally important for sanity. Um, we know it for mental health and all those processes. So we'll be back in one minute.